Really well. It's great to be together, isn't it? And, uh, you know, it seems amazing, really, that it's the 1st of December today. Uh, to me, it seems, yeah, just mind-boggling where the year has, has gone. And, uh, you know, that we're, uh, we're at the point where we're at the start of Advent. You know, this season where we, where we look back and we remember and we celebrate the first coming of Jesus. But also a season when we look forwards and we, we celebrate the fact that not only did Jesus come back then 2,000 years ago, but one day there is coming when Jesus will come again. And we have a hope in him uh, because of that. Um, we have a hope in him that at that point he's going to make all things new. At that point, wars and striving will cease. At that point, we won't have to worry about general elections and politics and all of the conflict and the mess. At that point, there will be one king and one Lord. And everyone will know who he is. And everyone will bow the knee. And everyone will recognize him. Isn't that an amazing hope that we get to celebrate? You know, Advent is a a brilliant old Christmas tradition that the the church has had for years as it does that kind of twofold thing of looking back and looking forwards in anticipation. And, you know, there are lots of different great traditions with Christmas. I don't know if you have some family traditions, some different things that that you've kind of done, maybe that you do now or that you used to do growing up um, when you were kind of in your, your old kind of family home. You know, one of the uh, traditions that we kind of had growing up is that we would try and find more and more creative ways to make every present a surprise. And so it started with basic things like, you know, you take out the chocolates and you replace them with socks and, you know, that kind of thing. But I remember one year with my sister um, and I'd bought her a ring um, as, a, as a kind of a Christmas present. And uh, so I took the ring out of the jewelry box and I replaced it with a polo. And, um, and wrapped it all up and kind of gave it to her. Um, I think where I maybe crossed the line and took it a little bit too far is that I then took the ring and buried it at the bottom of a, a box of sweets um, and just wrapped up the box of sweets. And so all that she thought that she had for quite a long time was a polo and a box of sweets. And, uh, and the whole thing was, uh, was, uh, went a little bit too far until eventually I had to kind of say, just have a look at the bottom of the sweets. And there she was able to, to find the ring. You know, one of the challenges I've had, though, um, and maybe some of you can help me with ideas of this. So one of the things where I've never really succeeded in managing to make something a surprise in the way that I would like is, um, is one of my dad's kind of standard presents with his favorite chocolate. You see, my dad's favorite chocolate is a Toblerone. Uh, I don't know if you've ever tried to disguise a, a Toblerone. The best that I have managed is sticking it in kind of a cardboard tube and kind of turning it into a bit of a Christmas cracker. Um, but it, it's kind of, you can only do that once and then it's, it's a bit of a giveaway, isn't it? So if you've got any ideas as to how I can turn a Toblerone into something more of a surprise and disguise it, then grab me afterwards and, um, and let me know because that would be, be brilliant to, to know in advance as we kind of come up to Christmas. You know, but there are lots of different fun things we do with Christmas, aren't there? Lots of different traditions and things that can make fantastic family memories. You know, as December hits and, and Christmas is, is drawing closer, I don't know how you're feeling in the midst of all of that. Maybe you're, you're, you're excited and you can't wait. Maybe actually you kind of, you want to be excited, but at the moment is just too many jobs that need to get done, too many practical things to sort out, and, and that's all you can really think about. Or maybe actually as you look forward to, to Christmas, Excitement is the last thing that you're feeling and actually you, you, you feel a, a sense of, of, of sadness. You feel a sense of, of loss as it brings back memories that are, are painful. Maybe you're not looking forward to Christmas at all. You know, whichever of those camps that you would kind of put yourself into. This morning, I want to come back to what I started to, to kind of talk about a couple of weeks ago. 
um, a couple of weeks ago how in the midst of all of the emotions and the ups and downs and the excitement and the presence and the, and the plans and all the jobs that need to, to be done, that if we're not careful, what, what happens is if we're not intentional, that all of those different things, whether it's it's the, the memories and the grief and the loss, whether it's the hope and the excitement, all of these different things can end up choking Jesus out. And we can end up missing the greater things, the best things that God has for us because of all of our own kind of stuff that is, is going on. And, and so to help us make sure that that doesn't happen, um, we want to put together, and I want to encourage you to put together a Christmas playlist. And so that's what this series is called, Christmas Playlist. You know, and a playlist is normally a list of songs that you kind of put together to play on, on repeat, one after the other. And it's the songs that you want to kind of set the atmosphere, the songs that you want to surround yourself with for a particular different thing. And so we want to put together a playlist of Christmas truth. The truth that we want to surround ourselves with. The truth that we want to set the atmosphere. The truth that we want to set our mindset for this Christmas period. So that we don't end up having all these different things choking Jesus out. And as help us with that, one of the things that we're going to try and do is to tie different parts of Christmas truth to different Christmas carols. Because you see, one of the great things with carols is that they, they're one of these things which has just become part of the Christmas tradition, which means that we, not only do we sing them in church, but we hear them on the radio, that as we're watching cheesy Christmas films, they, they come up again as we're going through the supermarket, they'll be playing in the background. And so we want to tie them into Christmas carols because I want these carols to become for you trigger points. That when you hear this carol or when you sing a particular carol, it brings back to mind for you a truth about who Jesus is, about what Christmas is about that you can surround yourself with and set your mind on so that you don't miss out on the greater things of Jesus this year. Now, and part of the Christmas truth that I want you to add to your playlist and to surround yourself with is that just as we go out of our way, just as my family tradition is that we go out of our way to surprise one another with good things, that God loves surprises too. You know, the carol that we're going to be looking at this morning is an absolute classic. And it's Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And the first word, hark, it is one that we don't really use an awful lot in our language, is it? We don't come across in, in a conversation, you know, and as I'm walking down the street and I want to get your attention, hark! You know, it, it, you just it don't kind of happen, does it? But, it? but the whole kind of idea with this word is, is it's wanting to communicate, stop, listen, pay attention. The whole idea with this word hark is that it wants to interrupt somebody in what it is that they're focused on and to pull their attention away from that and onto you and to listen to what it is that you have to say. You know, over the next week, those of you who are parents or teachers or grandparents who have to watch your kids at different points, you know, when you want to get your child's attention, when you want to interrupt what they're doing and pull their, on, their attention onto you, just try this word. Try shouting at them, hark, and see what happens. Probably they'll stop what they're doing and they will look at you completely confused. And you might find that that's the best way to get their attention because actually they don't know what's going on and they're intrigued, but they probably won't have a clue. You know, but this word hark is essentially 
about interrupting somebody and grabbing their attention and calling them to listen to you. And an interruption is normally something that's a surprise, and it's normally something which is unexpected. And in the Christmas story, we see God showing up again and again in unexpected places, at unexpected times, in unexpected ways, to unexpected people. We see the fact that God loves surprises. You know, when God shows up to Elizabeth and Zechariah to tell them that Elizabeth is going to give birth to John the Baptist, it's unexpected. It's a surprise. Nobody saw it coming. It's a hark moment. Let me interrupt what's going on in your life, what you've just got used to as the daily pattern, and pull your attention onto me and something that I want to do. You know, when God shows up to to Mary and Joseph through the angel Gabriel, and and he announces to them the fact that Mary is going to give birth to Jesus, it's a hark moment when he interrupts their daily life, their, their normal routine that they're going about, and he pulls their attention onto him and what it is that he's wanting to work in their lives. It's unexpected, and it's a surprise. But the unexpected surprise of of God, the hark moment that we want to look at and that this carol is all about is when the angels show up and they announce the birth of Jesus to the shepherds. It's about an interruption into their daily lives, their normal thing. They're just going about it. There's no expectation. They're just caring for the sheep. And in the midst of it, God interrupts their life. He shows up, he grabs their attention in a way that changes everything for them. As we look at this carol, I want to help us to establish the Christmas truth, to add it to our playlist that God has hark moments for each and every single one of us. We know we can get so caught up in the routine and the jobs and the busyness and the emotions that we're feeling and all the things that are going on, but God wants to shout to each and every one of us, Hark! I want to interrupt your God's just going on as you just get caught up in the human, mundane, worldly stuff. And I want to pull your attention onto me. There are things that I want to work and do in your life that you're not looking for, that you're not expecting, that are going to be a surprise for you. So shift your attention and look at me. Listen to what it is that I'm wanting to say. Allow me to work in your life in unexpected times, in unexpected um, ways, in unexpected places. Allow me to bring about the amazing purpose for you that changes everything. And we need to simply be willing to allow God to interrupt us. To not be so focused in on what it is that we're doing, so in control of our schedules that we don't allow him to interrupt us. So, why don't we read out loud together the first verse of Hark the Herald Angels Sing. It should pop up on the screen behind me. And uh, let's read it out together. Um, Here we go. Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Glory to the newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise, join the triumph of the skies, with angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Fantastic.
You know, and these words uh, were written um, by, by Charles Wesley, but they were written from the perspective of the shepherds. As if the shepherds are trying to describe what it is that's happened and how it is that God's kind of turned up and surprised them and what it is that he's said to them. How he's announced to them the birth of Jesus. And this is how Luke describes it. This is how he captures it in Luke 2, verses 8 to 14. He says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of their heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Amazing verses. Familiar verses, verses you've probably heard many times before. You know, but the first thing that is unexpected, the first way in which God surprises us in these verses is the simple fact that he chooses to announce the birth of Jesus to shepherds. You see, shepherds uh, were seen as kind of like on the lowest rung of the social ladder within the first century Jewish culture. You know, they, you, know you, you look back and that's surprising because, you know, back in the Old Testament, Abraham and Moses and David and all these great people were shepherds. But you see, by the time it got to the first century, they'd been conquered by the, the Babylonians and they'd been under the rule of the Greeks and the Romans. And within all of these other cultures, shepherds were looked down on as being worthless, as being the lowest of the low. And this whole kind of attitude towards shepherds had been adopted into to Jewish culture. And so the shepherds were seen as, as on the lowest rung. Uh, they were the ultimate unskilled laborers. If, if you kind of had just kind of failed in life and were unable to do anything else, then you would end up being a shepherd. You know, if, if, if people wanted to get rid of you, uh, they would just send you out to be a shepherd. And then you're kind of out of sight, out of mind. You, you're so busy out in the fields watching the sheep 24-7 that uh, you never really have an opportunity to, to engage with anybody else. You know, shepherds had such a bad reputation that you kind of was being synonymous with being a cheat or a thief. Um, they, were, they were thought of as being people who were deceptive and dishonest. So much so that within the, the Jewish culture of that time, shepherds weren't allowed to be witnesses in a court of law because they were that untrustworthy. You know, so you would have expected these would be the last people that God would want to show up to and to trust with an announcement of the birth of his son. You would have expected that if he was going to announce the birth of his son, he would have done, if he was going to announce the birth of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, he would want it to show up to the influential people, to the powerful people, the people that people would sit up and pay attention to and listen to. And yet he surprises us and he does the unexpected as he shows up and surprises the shepherds. And here's why the fact that God loves surprises, the fact that God decides to send the angels to the shepherds is such good news and so important for you and for me. Because this truth reminds us that even when other people have written us off, 
And even maybe in those times when we write ourselves off. When we feel lonely, when we feel like life is a mess and a struggle. When we have no sense of hope for the future that we're just stuck in the routine a day after day. And this is all that there is. That God reaches out to us in that place. He reaches out to the most unexpected people at the most unexpected times and the most unexpected places to bring the most amazing news of hope. You know, the shepherds in the first century would have felt like life was pretty rough. And if you're in a similar position, if you're in a position now where you're feeling like life is pretty rough, then allow the words of this carol to interrupt where you're at. To say, hark! And to draw your attention off of your situation, off of how you feel, off of the different things going on, and onto Jesus. To shift your focus on what God is wanting to say to you and how he's wanting to work in your life. That this announcement of good news, this invitation to draw close to him, is something that God is wanting to offer to you. And this amazing news is not only for us, it's amazing news for the people you love. If you think of the people who, who you love and you would love to see come to know Jesus, but it just seems like it's never going to happen. Sometimes without us ever really meaning to, we end up writing people off, don't we? And we see their situations and what they're going through and we think, oh, there's no chance for them. But one of the amazing encouragements, part of the amazing news of this story is that God's heart is for those who we least expect it to be. And that he wants to show up and interrupt their lives. And, and it might be people who we would never have imagined, but there is never a person, there is no one who we can think of who is beyond God's reach. And that gives us hope not only in terms of our situations, but it gives us hope for the people that we love. That he wants to reveal himself at unexpected times to unexpected people in unexpected places. That means that in the situations in our lives where we've maybe given up hope, in the situations in our lives where we feel like things are stuck and we've just got no expectation of God doing anything to change that, or in the situations in the lives of the people that we love, God wants to work and he wants to take us by surprise. You know, there have been um, times in my life where God's taken me by surprise. Where I haven't been looking for it and I haven't been uh, thinking about it. Uh, Where I've had, you know, kind of a hark moment and God's kind of interrupted what I'm about and what I'm doing. And he's grabbed my attention and he's turned my life around. You know, growing up and and particularly through my teenage years, I I kind of just lived a cycle of uh, of kind of these times where I would come back to God and I would say sorry and I would kind of want to make this decision to commit my life to live for Him and but then very quickly I would kind of drift off from that and I would find myself just saying, actually, I want to do my own thing. These things are too tempting. That's just so so much more fun and I would rebel against God and I would just want to go my own way for for months and years and then I would come back and it was just this cycle that was going on through my life, particularly through my teenage years. And the, the thing which brought stability to my life through that kind of a season was music. 
Music was, was kind of what I lived for, and it was the kind of constant the whole way through. And uh, in 2003, I, uh, I went uh, to music college, and I was studying music, and I thought I had the next few years, at least, of my life mapped out. I knew where I was heading. I knew what life was about. I knew what I wanted to be doing. And then there was a hark moment. And God interrupted all of my best laid plans. He interrupted everything that I thought I was about. And he grabbed my attention and he fixed it onto Jesus. And it changed everything. And I wasn't looking for it. It wasn't something that I, uh, I was wanting even really. But God spoke into my life. He interrupted things in a time when I didn't expect it. He captured my heart. And he said, there's something greater. There's something better for your life to be about. And he made himself known to me in ways that I I hadn't known before and I hadn't been expecting. And that changed everything for me. You know, and the change that God wants to bring about in your life can happen at any moment. It can happen at the least expected times, at the least expected places. It can happen in, when we gather together and we worship as church, or it can happen when you're out on your own walking through a field. It can happen when you're in your living room and you're sat and you're reading his word and you're in prayer, or it can happen when you're surrounded by people at a party. God wants to meet with us and to speak into our lives and to grab our attention and to say, Hark! At the most unexpected times. He wants to interrupt our kind of daily plans. So I want to encourage you, don't limit the way that God is wanting to work and the way that he is wanting to speak to you by writing yourself off as no one special. You know, whoever you are, whatever you have been through or are going through right now, however other people might see you, However long you feel like this thing you've just been stuck with. God's invitation and his heart and his announcement of good news is for you today. He wants to interrupt your life. To fix your eyes on him. And to change everything. And the good news of great joy that the angels bring in in Luke 2 is that in Bethlehem, a saviour has been born who is also Lord and King. And this is such amazing news. And I think we lose this because we're so familiar with it. This is such amazing news that a great crowd of angels appear to celebrate and start to praise God. It's almost like, and I'm reading into things here, but it's almost like, you have the angel Gabriel turn up to bring the announcement. And in the background, watching in the heavenlies, are thousands upon thousands of angels. And he reached this point as he's bringing this announcement and the excitement just builds up and they can't help themselves. And so suddenly, unexpectedly, as a surprise, they appear and they just want to say, glory to God in the highest. This is amazing. And you've got thousands upon thousands of angels in the sky not able to contain themselves, wanting to praise and honor God. On earth, peace. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. And they're excited. And they're caught up in wonder. 
And verses 2 and 3 of, of Heart the Herald, the carol, it really just unpack this good news that the angels not only announce, but they celebrate and they get excited about. Let's uh, read them together again. So here we go, they should pop up. Christ, by highest heaven adored. Christ, the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold him come. Offspring of a virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Hail the heaven-born prince of peace, hail the son of righteousness, light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Brilliant. And they're great words, aren't they? They capture something of the hope that we have. And I love the fact that even though it's a hope for us, it's something that the angels get excited about. You see, just try and, and, and understand and put yourself in an angel's position. It's something we can't do, but just, just try for a moment. You see, the angels have been in God's presence. They watched firsthand as God spoke the world into being. Not only our planet and all the life that we kind of see around us, but the, the millions of stars and galaxies that are out there. You know, astronomers estimate that there are around about 3 million trillion stars in the universe. That's 3 with 24 zeros after it. And when we start talking in those kind of numbers, it's a n- number that we just can't even get our heads around, can we? We can't even begin to imagine that. It just... It doesn't mean anything, it's just, uh, just digits. So maybe just to help us get ahead around it a, a little bit, we all know how long a second is, don't we? You know, it's, it's been and gone incredibly quickly. So a million seconds is around about 12 days. So if we went back a million seconds, we'd, we'd be going back to, to Tuesday the 19th of November. So that's not too far ago, is it? A billion seconds would take us back to 1987. So I, I don't know where you were at and how many of you can remember 1987. In 1987, what I was up to is I was a bouncing two-year-old. You know, but there are, there are some of you here who aren't even two billion se- uh, even, aren't even a billion seconds old, who, who weren't even around that long ago. A trillion, so one trillion seconds, would add up to 31,710 years. And yet astronomers estimate there are three million trillion stars. And the sun is is just one of them. And it's not even considered to be a particularly big one of them. And it puts out the same amount of energy as a trillion megaton bombs. Every second. Every single second. That's enough energy to be able to power the entire planet as it is right now for 500,000 years being put out every single second. And these angels 
had watched firsthand as God spoke this into being. They'd seen his power as he created all that we see in the universe. They'd experienced his glory and seen him face to face. But what do they get excited about? What do they marvel at? What is it that moves them to praise that they can't contain? It's the fact that veiled in flesh the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with man to dwell. Jesus our Emmanuel. See, the angels saw God. They were with God in the heavens. And then they watched God. The creator of the universe who had spoken all of this incredible vastness and power into being. Come down low. Lay aside his power and his majesty and his glory and become like his creation. They watched as God willingly chose to become a vulnerable baby who felt pain and hunger, and grew tired and weary. The incarnation, God becoming human like you and me, reveals something which the angels felt was more amazing than revealing God's power. Because it reveals to us not just God's power, but God's heart. It reveals God's amazing love that is willing to go to the lengths of laying aside his own glory and majesty and power, willing to go to the lengths of humbling himself so much that he would become a created being like you and me. Also that he could draw close to us. Also that he could have relationship with you and me. And for the angels, there's a mystery in this. They get God's power. They see him face to face. But when they begin to think about this, there's a mystery that amazes them and that captures them and that they're just caught up in wonder about. There's a surprise in this for them. There's something unexpected, something that they don't understand. Because God's ways are not only higher than our ways, but they're higher than the angels' ways too. You know, 1 Peter 1 verse 12 tells us that the angels long to look into the good news of Jesus. Just think about that. The angels who saw God create the universe and get to see him face to face every day long to look more on the good news of Jesus for you and me. They marvel at it. They're astounded by it. They are amazed at the incarnation and just what a gift salvation is. It blows them away and it moves them to praise in a way that nothing else does. I think sometimes we need to capture something more of the wonder of the angels at just who God is and just what he's done. You know, and I think Paul captures something of the essence of what God does at Christmas. The Christmas truth that we want to surround ourselves with and add to our playlist in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9. It's not a verse we often talk about around Christmas time, but it captures it so well. He writes, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. So that you through his poverty 
might become rich. Now this is the unexpected, surprising way that God worked on that first Christmas. And that he wants to continue to work in your life today. And over the next weeks, throughout this year, though he was rich, though he was in heaven with all power and all glory and all majesty, he became poor. He was willing to be born in a feeding trough. He became like you and me. He became weak and vulnerable. God wants to take us by surprise by the fact that he is willing to draw close to us even in the messiest of places. That he will draw near to us and he will go to every length that he needs to to meet us where we're at. And his purpose in doing so is that he becomes poor so he meets us in our place of poverty that we might become rich. That we might get to enjoy the riches of, of heaven, the riches of salvation, the riches of his blessing for us and his grace at work in our lives here and now today. The riches of relationship with him. And the angels are more amazed at the mercy of God They're more amazed at how he lays aside his glory to draw close to us. That we might be lifted out of our mess, that we might know forgiveness, that we might have hope, that we might have life. We might experience his healing power. They're more amazed at that than God's creation of three million trillion stars. They know that the power that pours out from the sun every second doesn't even begin to compare to the power of God at work to save you and me. The angels get it. And they cannot contain themselves because of it. But right now, God's message is, Hark! Stop! Listen, pay attention, let me interrupt just your familiarity. Let me interrupt the daily life. Let me grab your attention, fix your eyes on me. Do you get it? Do you see something of the wonder and the awesomeness of what I've done for you? And if you do, how are you going to respond? And I love how the shepherds respond. In Luke 2, verses 15 to 20, this is what he writes. It says, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So what do we see the shepherds do? They respond to the hark. They stop They pay attention. They allow their daily life of watching the sheep on the hill to be interrupted. 
and they take a new direction. They believe what the angels have told them and put that belief into action. And when they encounter Jesus, it changes everything. They come away from that encounter wanting to tell every single person they can find about who Jesus is and what's been said and wanting to praise and worship God because they can't contain themselves over what it is that he's done. Just think about this. The only ones who got to see the angels and to hear the news directly from them were the shepherds. Everybody else had to put up with just hearing it from the shepherds. So the the shepherds, they get glorious angels and the wonder and majesty of God and this amazing announcement. Everybody else gets smelly, outcast, untrustworthy shepherds. And this is another way that God surprises us. Another way that he loves surprises to work in unexpected ways to do things that we would never imagine in ways that we wouldn't plan. Instead of showing up to, with angels to everyone or instead of showing up with angels to the most powerful and the influential, he shows up with angels to the shepherds. And his primary way of then speaking to everybody else was through broken, flawed people like you and me. And for the shepherds, they already had a reputation of being untrustworthy. So as they went around telling people about what had happened, I imagine they got their fair share of ridicule. Because people didn't trust them in the first place. But they'd been so captured by the wonder of who God was that they couldn't contain it. That they just had to share it. That they told people anyway. And I want to encourage you over the next few weeks, with Christmas drawing near, you will have opportunities with people that you would never have at any other point in the year. There will be an openness and opportunities for you to just naturally talk about Jesus that will never come up at other points in the year. And I want to encourage you to be like the shepherds. I want to encourage you to be sharing about who Jesus is, to be talking about who Jesus is, to seize hold of some of these opportunities. To ask God to, to help you to have the courage to make the most of them. That like the shepherds, we would just spread the news of Jesus to everyone that we meet. And ask him to help you to keep Jesus in focus. That like the shepherds, our hearts would be captured by him. And we wouldn't be able to contain ourselves from praise and worship. But one of the things which I think is brilliant with the shepherds. You know, we, the, the focus is so often on the announcement of the angels, but the angels are just messengers. Just as the shepherds were then just messengers. What changed everything for the shepherds and what will change everything for us is when they met with Jesus. The angels simply bring the news. It's Jesus who changes everything. And so I want you to encourage you to add to your Christmas playlist God's invitation to you as he says, Hark! 
if without even realizing it, you've written yourself off and thought, oh, I could never be somebody who follows Jesus. Or if you've limited how you feel God wants to work in your life or how you feel he can possibly work in your life because of things that you struggle with or, or battle with or because you've just lived with stuff for so long or because you feel like you're just not very special, so why would he choose me? Or if there are areas of your life or, or people who you love and you feel like they've been stuck in that place for, for so long that you've, you've just lost all sense of expectation that, that they'll ever respond to Jesus. That things could ever change. Know that part of the Christmas playlist is that God wants to say to you, Hark! Let me interrupt your life and work in ways that you don't expect. Let me surprise you and do things and work in you that you don't even imagine right now. Don't limit me. Don't hold back from me. And let me work in the places and the times and the ways that you least expect. Open your heart to him over the, over the next few weeks. And just allow God to interrupt your day. Allow him to interrupt your schedule. You know, build in times when you can escape from the rush and the pressure and all of the jobs that need to be done with Christmas and all of the time with family and all the different things going on. As you're making plans right now, build in those spaces so that you can pay attention to God. And what it is he's wanting to say, how it is he's wanting to work. But alongside that, in the different things that you are going to be doing over Christmas, just pray and give God permission at any moment to say, hark. At any moment to say, I want to interrupt things right now. It might not be convenient. It might not be the time you choose. It might not be the time you're expecting. But there's something I've got for you now. Let me interrupt. Let me grab your attention. Pull you out of the party for a moment. Or draw you to talk to this person. Because there's things that I want to work in your life. There is change that I have for you. Hope that I have for you. Healing that I have for you. I don't want you to miss it. You know, we have an amazing God. who will go to any length to meet us where we're at. Because he loves us that much. But he meets us where we're at. He comes down to become poor, that we might become rich, that we might be lifted out from that place and get to enjoy the fullness of what it is that he has for us. So I want to encourage you, just give him permission to interrupt. I want to just take some time now for us to let him come and speak to us. Let him do what he wants to do. Let him surprise us if he wants to surprise us. Just to make a hark moment for us together. A moment when we stop and we pay attention to, to Jesus, when we pay attention to God. And there might be situations in your life, as I've been talking, situations, right, where you are longing for things to change, but you've given up hope. 
It might be that there are things where if you're, you're honest, you don't really have any expectation of God working in that area. But you know, in this carol and in the Christmas story, we see that we have a God who works in unexpected times, in unexpected places, in unexpected ways to bring about his amazing purpose, to bring about light in the midst of situations where we feel we've been struggling in darkness, to bring about life where we've been struggling with a sense of hopelessness and depression, to bring about healing in areas that for us emotionally and physically. That's what we declare when we sing Heart the Herald. We declare that God was willing to come down low. That he might lift us up and make us rich. And so I want to encourage us, let's just for a moment, make space for God to interrupt. Make space for God to speak and to have his way, just to maybe yeah, close your eyes and put your hands out in front of you and just have this invitation to say, God, we give you permission to interrupt the normal, to interrupt our expectations. We're sorry where we've limited you and we've given up hope, but we look to you now as the God of, who takes us by surprise, the God who never writes us off, the God who who loves us so much that he wants to bring light and life and healing to us. So just invite him now. Let him interrupt. Let him speak to you. Jesus, thank you that you know where each and every person in this room is at right now. You know where, what they've been struggling with. You know what they've been hoping for. You know the things that have been capturing their hearts. I pray that right now you would come and you would meet with each person here. Lord, where there is, in any way that there is a need for us to have our attention grabbed and brought back to you, I pray that you would work it now in the name of Jesus. Whether it be just from practicalities and jobs and just schedules and plans whether it be from being caught up in, in wrong living and sinful habits, whether it be that we need you to breathe life to us and to grab our attention and to lift us out of a place of depression and, and hopelessness. Lord, in the way that every person needs it, I pray you would meet with them now by your Spirit. That you would meet them where they're at and you would lift them up. That you would let them know the riches of your grace and your mercy and your love. And Jesus, I pray that through the next few weeks as we lead up to Christmas, as we have all the different things that are going on, Lord, that you would help us every day to come back to a heart attitude. of submission to you, a heart attitude of thankfulness and praise and wonder at who you are and what you've done, and a heart attitude that just gives you permission to interrupt and say, come, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen.